when my daughters were, uh, were little girls, one of their very favorite things to do was to go to the playground just down the street from our house. And their absolute favorite part of the playground was the merry-go-round. And, and, and my job at the merry-go-round was uh, to, to sort of stand beside it and just kind of pump this thing as hard as possible. I was kind of a, a human piston, just, you know, just to try to get this thing as fast as it could possibly go. And it was a riot because, you know, this thing would be zooming around and, uh, and in the middle there, there's this kind of blur of curly hair and, and, and giggles. And, and I never rode with them because they said, Daddy, it's, it's not as much fun when you're, when you're vomiting. But, but I remember one day we were down there at the playground and, uh, and they were up about 5,000 RPMs. That's hyperbole. And, um, and Katie, my little four-year-old, uh, she must have just been overwhelmed with gratitude that, that Daddy would be for her a human piston. And so she thought in her little head, um, you know what, uh, by golly, I'm going to hug him on the next lap. And of course, not being fully familiar with the laws of physics, in particular the principle of inertia, uh, she probably didn't think through uh, all the results of that particular decision. Uh, all I knew, and, and I actually never saw it coming, uh, at the last moment I sort of looked up and I vaguely saw this kind of white, skinny, uh, horizontal, bony object approaching at a rapid speed. And next thing I knew, my four-year-old had, had clotheslined me. I, I was basically laying on the ground. My lip was cut in two places. Uh, my children were howling with laughter. Uh, in fact, if you think about it, be praying for Katie because ever since that happened, uh, Santa hasn't visited her. Uh, but we learned a lesson that day. Uh, and it's an important lesson. It's a lesson right at the core of what I want us to talk about some this morning. And the lesson is this. It's hard to hug a moving target. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I think for a lot of us, these last few months, it just felt like we're on a bad merry-go-round with all kinds of craziness and dizziness. And with every new day and every new statistic and every new announcement, it's like, what do I do? How do I get off this thing? It just makes your head spin. And for some of us, it probably just feels like God has even become kind of this passing blur. But as Ken and I talked about over the next few weeks, we're going to begin a brand new series here at Faith Bridge that will help us in the dizziness and weirdness of these crazy times to experience the transforming embrace of God. We're calling this series, as we said, Never Been Closer. We're going to talk in very practical terms about three disciplines of the Christian life, prayer, scripture reading, and fasting. And, and what I think we're going to discover is that even in an age of social distancing, it's still possible to develop a deep spiritual intimacy with God. So let's begin this week by talking about the first of these three disciplines. How can we experience the Father's embrace in, in prayer? Now, I'll just say I know a lot of us, when we think about stuff like prayer and fasting, we start to get a little uncomfortable, right? Because we start to imagine all kinds of weird stuff. We might have to do rites, you know, where we kind of go into a closet and light a candle and, I don't know, smoke oatmeal. And I remember as a teenager, for example, uh, you know, just, just I, I went to this big, huge uh, Gothic church in North Carolina and, uh, and the pastor was down front and, and uh, in his black robes and he would pray these really, really flowery, 
prayers, you know, oh God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Dopey, and Sneezy. And I just kind of figured, you know what, I'm, I better just leave prayer to the pros. But that's like asking somebody else to get hugged on your behalf. That's like asking somebody to taste the pie for you or, or swim in the pool for you. The full Christian life is open to all of us, every single one of us, to experience personally. God never intended secondhand fellowship to take the place of firsthand fellowship. So, so let's start this morning with the most obvious question. Why do we pray? Why do we pray? And I'm going to give you two very simple reasons. Number one, because we're invited to. And number two, because we need to. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, we read, Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Because Jesus has opened for us a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. I think most of us kind of understand intuitively that relationships require communication. It's, it's really hard to build a relationship when you can't or, or don't communicate. I remember when Maggie and I were dating, we lived about two hours apart, and so I wrote her a letter almost every day. And I have no idea what I thought about to come up with. But I do remember that I would try to end every letter with a Bible verse. And she could look it up and and sort of get a word of encouragement. But over time, I I started to kind of find it amusing to find stranger and stranger verses I could throw in just for fun. So I had stuff like, you know, 2 Peter 2.22, the dog returns to its own vomit. And and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Or, or Deuteronomy 28, 27, may the Lord strike you with Egyptian boils and with tumors, scabs, and itch for which you will find no cure. And it took us about two years of counseling to, to get beyond that. But what we both understood is we had to be intentional about our relationship. If we wanted to grow together, we had to share our hopes uh, and worries and joys and, and just the everyday news of our lives because we knew relationships require communication. And it's no different in our relationship with God. We pray because we're invited to by the God of the universe. And we need to if we want to develop any kind of deep, transforming relationship with him. That's why we pray. But what about the how question? How do we pray? Because some of you might be thinking, well, okay, I get it. Uh, it, it's really important to pray to God, but uh, it, it just seems complicated. Like, are, are there rules of engagement? Is it one of those deals like when you like when you meet the queen, right? You know, when you meet the queen, uh, there are um, certain protocols, strict protocols that are in place. You don't you don't touch her, and do not give that woman a high five. Uh, it just won't work out. Uh, you, you don't speak to her unless she speaks to you. You don't leave the room before the queen leaves the room. You don't, you don't call her by her name, Elizabeth. And she especially hates being called Betty. But that's the queen. What are the ground rules for communicating with the king of all kings? Well, again, let's look at two simple ideas. First of all, if we want to communicate with God, It's probably smart to have a plan, to develop a habit 
around a place and a time. So some people, for example, prefer to uh, take some time in, in the morning to kind of start off the day with, with prayer. I have a pastor friend who used to always say, I get up every morning at 4.30 a.m., go to the bathroom and go back to bed. Uh, now, I actually am one of those morning people. Um, I, I certainly don't get up at 4.30 uh, a.m. unless it is for going to the bathroom. But I, I do like to try to get up kind of early in the morning so I can start off my day with prayer and Bible study. And it's not because I like getting up early. Uh, it's not because I'm some kind of super spiritual person or because God, you know, loves early risers. Uh, I, I wish I could say that, you know, I'm so spiritual that when I hear the alarm go off, I sit up straight and go, finally. Uh, and, and then I immediately rush to my desk and say, good morning, Lord. But I'm like most of you. When the alarm goes off, I roll over and say, good Lord, it's morning. But I just find that once I get going in my day, it's hard to find that longer kind of block of time that gives me a chance to be quiet and pay attention to God. Maybe for you, it makes more sense to spend time with God at the end of your day. That, that, that works too. The, the bottom line is we probably shouldn't get too hung up on when. Maybe for you, uh, it, it's before breakfast. Maybe it's when you get to the office. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's when your kids leave for school, if they ever do again. Uh, maybe for some of you, the only time you can be alone during the day is when you go to the bathroom. You are literally starting to see your toilet as a prayer room, which, which gives a whole new meaning to approaching the throne. I always say, you know you're a parent when you look forward to a trip to the bathroom so you can have some alone time. Maybe for some of you, it's during your commute uh, to work. I hope you won't be driving at the time. Maybe for some of us, it's study hall. Or maybe it's when you crawl into bed at night. When our daughter's little girls, um, I actually used to, used to think about my time in the shower as a time for prayer. And I would walk out of there and I came out clean uh, outside and inside. But the main idea here is this. A good conversation is a good conversation. It doesn't really matter where or when it happens. But it's also true that if you don't intentionally plan a specific time and place, that good conversation is probably not going to happen. So, so having a plan is more important than the when and the where of the plan you have. And, and truthfully, what the scripture really points us to is prayer as an ongoing conversation. The kind of prayer that sort of recognizes God is walking with us and communicating with us throughout the day, in the times of quiet and in the times of turmoil. In, in fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul encourages believers to pray at all times, at all times, in the Spirit. And those words, in the Spirit, are important because they remind us that, that Jesus lives in us by His Holy Spirit. And, and throughout the day, he's, he's comforting us. He's convicting us. He's convincing us that we're His beloved child. There's an ongoing prayer conversation. That's the key to a healthy prayer life. So uh, you want to know how to spend time in prayer, First of all, develop a plan. Develop a plan. But secondly, remember that God is listening to your heart. God is listening to your heart. Let's say, okay, you decided you got a time, you got a place, you got a plan. But the next question is, well, what do I say? And, 
And, and how should I say it? Like, do we need to use uh, certain words? Do we need to be kneeling? Do I need to be facing a certain direction? Like, should I bow down toward the nearest Chick-fil-A? Like, and, 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 and this is where it's so important to remember the words of James chapter 4, verse 8. I love this verse. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Remember, we've been invited into this relationship. As one of my mentors used to pray, thank you, Lord, that we don't have to go up to bring you down. We don't have to go down to bring you up. You are God with us. So we start from the get-go with the promise that God knows us and, and he knows our heart. It's not about having the right words. It's about having the right heart. Uh, Jim Valvana, who... Uh, twice coached his NC State Wolfpack to the NCAA men's basketball title, was uh, a great storyteller. And one of his favorite stories was the story of one of his star players, Charles Shackelford, who was approached after a game by a reporter and, and asked about the fact that he could shoot with his right or his left hand. And, and Shaq looked straight at the reporter and said, yeah, right hand or left, it doesn't matter, I'm amphibious. And, and later, after the interview, Coach V was told that his star player uh, had, had said this, and Valvano, without even missing a beat, said, yeah, yeah, you should see him at the pool. But Valvano didn't care about Charles Shackelford's words. He cared about Charles Shackelford's heart and his jump shot. You know, when we come to God in prayer, God is listening to our heart. God is listening to our, our sense of sincerity and humility and love for him. You might even find that there are times when you don't have the words to pray, and, and that's okay too. Sometimes we may pray with, with tears or, or groans or laughter or, or even silence. There may be times when you just pray uh, with your body. Uh, the scripture recounts times, uh, for example, uh, in Luke 22, when we actually see Jesus kneeling down in prayer. But it also recalls times, uh, Mark chapter 14, when Jesus fell down and, and prayed. Now, here's the key. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, the writer of Hebrews writes, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. And then listen to these words. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, over the years in my ministry, when I've helped folks learn how to pray, I've suggested they think about prayer as, as kind of an exercise with four basic movements. And as with any exercise, it's not so much about getting the movements precisely right. This arm here and that leg there. The idea is to build the spiritual muscle memory that forms healthy habits. So we're going to finish our time together this morning by taking a look at four basic movements of prayer. And they're easy to remember because they're based on the word acts. A-C-T-S. Now, I didn't make up the acrostic, but I like it because these four movements help us to stretch our prayer muscles upward, inward, toward, and onward. 
I think of this little acrostic almost as like prayer uh, with, with training wheels. It's like when you teach a child to ride a bike. It's, it's just enough to get us moving, especially when you claim the promise that our Father is running right alongside of us to help us keep going. And again, the four movements are based on four words, and those four words begin with the letters A-C-T-S-X. So the first movement of prayer is A, adoration. Adoration. It comes, of course, from the word adore. It means praising God for who he is, his goodness, his kindness, his holiness, his majesty, his steadfast love, his mercy. Adoration is praising God for who he is. Say that right now, just out loud, whoever you're watching, just adoration is praising God for who he is. You know, in Psalm 100, verse 4, the psalmist actually writes, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. There's no better way to enter into the presence of God than with praise and worship. That's how I remember. Adoration is a door. It's a door. Remember when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he began his prayer with words of adoration. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, holy, uh, unique, set apart is your name, one of a kind. And again, you may feel like, well, you know, I don't really know the right words. Uh, frankly, most of my praise language is, is kind of centered around Texas football. Don't get stuck on that. I have a friend who told me about a time he was having uh, this romantic dinner with his wife and in the soft glow of candlelight, she leaned across the table, looked him in his eyes, and, and, and he's pretty sure she meant to say, honey, you're priceless. But what she actually whispered in her soft voice was, honey, you're worthless. But he said, I knew her heart. I knew what she meant, and I was listening to her heart. Sometimes, you know, when I'm at a loss for words in my prayer time, or, or maybe I'm just looking for a, like a, a fresh expression of adoration, I'll actually pray to God the words of a hymn or a worship song. And that, that might be a good place for some of you to sort of start. But remember, God is listening to your heart. So, so A, A, we begin with movement toward God in adoration. And then C, C is for confession. That's the, that's the inward movement. Because confession means we look inside of our own hearts and expose our sin to God. In fact, uh, the Greek word for confession is homologeo. Homologeo means to say the same thing. So confession is when we pray to God and say, in essence, Lord, you are the God of perfect justice, righteousness, and holiness. You, you call this sin, and that's what it is. I admit it. I confess it. There's no excuses. There's no plea bargains, no justifications. You know, my brother locked me in the bathroom. My mama made me wear bow ties. It was an addiction. It was his fault. It was her fault. It was their fault. Everybody does it. Confession is a humble, honest admission of guilt. Lord, you call this sin, and I admit that's just what it is. And when we confess our sin, we're going to want to be as honest and specific as possible. Not some kind of, you know, cover your rear umbrella prayer, Lord, if I've done anything wrong in the last decade. C.S. Lewis is right. One of the best benefits of confession is it helps us to see ourselves as we really are, because we see ourselves as God sees us. 
He, he writes, most of us have never really faced the facts about ourselves until we uttered them in plain words, calling a spade a spade. That's confession. And how awesome is it that when we pray those words of confession, that we pray with the confidence of 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So first we pray with adoration, then confession. And the third movement of prayer is thanksgiving. That's the, that's the upward movement. It's lifting up our hearts in thanksgiving to God to thank him for what he's done. Remember, adoration is praising God for who he is. Thanksgiving is, is thanking God for what he's done. And, and part of that consistent prayer of thanksgiving is always being on the lookout, always being watchful for marks of God's goodness. Just, just in the course of everyday life, big things and, and little things. From that uh, text from a friend and the gift of encouragement. Or maybe for that funny story and just the, the joy of, of laughter. Or giving thanks for that unexpected hug and the blessing of, of friendship. Or, or noticing that beautiful sunset and thanking God for the wonder of nature. Or for that uh, chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream and the miracle of stable blood sugar levels. Even when we don't, maybe right now, in this chapter of our story, see the good, we can thank him for the bigger promise story to come. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, the Apostle Paul puts it like this. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Three times, three different ways Paul says it. Thankful, thankfulness, giving thanks. The upward movement of prayer is thanksgiving. And then finally, A-C-T-S is for supplication. Supplication. Uh, the root word of supplication, of course, is supplicate. I used to think that meant to eat something. Like I, I, I'd come home after school at night and say, Mom, I'm hungry. Let's, let's supplicate. But, but the best way to understand the word supplicate is to simply circle those last six, those first six letters. It, it, it spells supply, supply. It, supplication is asking God to meet our needs in the onward movement of faith. To say, Lord, we need you to make a way for us here. Without you, we're, we're stuck. In fact, in Philippians chapter 4, this is a passage most of us know. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 4 verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That's supplication. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And of course, supplication is not just asking God to meet our needs. It's, it's asking God to meet the needs of other people, the needs of our community, the needs of our country. Most of us know this is what we mean by intercessory prayer. It actually comes from the word intercede, which literally means to, to go between. So when we pray for others, we're asking God 
to kind of go between, to, to extend the riches of his supply beyond our own little story, our own little life. And this is where a lot of us, I think, might find it helpful, for example, to use a prayer list or a prayer app if this is kind of a new thing for you. It's a way of reminding, okay, who are the friends and family members I want to pray for? Maybe there's a neighbor uh, you're hoping might come to Christ or uh, put them on the prayer list or maybe a coworker who's struggling with some special problems. Put them on the prayer list. And, and there are actually some pretty great tools out there, most of them easy to get a hold of that they can kind of help us pray beyond ourselves. Uh, we're going to actually post some of these on the FaithBridge website. But for example, when I spend time in prayer each morning, I have sort of laid it out in front of me on my desk, the website for Open Doors. That's a ministry to persecuted Christians around the world. I have pictures of the children we sponsor from Compassion International so I can be reminded to pray for them. I have some newsletters from missionaries we support. And of course, I have a roster from the Philadelphia Eagles. Just kidding. But those of you who have been joining us, in fact, uh, on the uh, 40 Days of Prayer FaithBridge website, you will see that even in the week ahead, we're going to be praying together communally. We're going to be interceding uh, for our country, for God to supply our needs. We're going to communally be praying a prayer of supplication. We're saying, Lord, we cannot move onward in this country without you. Please help us. That's supplication. And those are the four basic movements of prayer. A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. The question now is, will we exercise those muscles? You know, I, I, remember, um, I remember when I was a little boy, my family, we used to take a trip, uh, you know, two or three times every fall and every spring down to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We, we did a lot of camping. And, uh, and Friday was kind of set up day. And uh, Friday night, we just sort of stayed at the camp and enjoyed being there. But Saturday was beach day. And, um, and I remember we'd take, uh, you know, a chaise lounge and set that up on the beach. And, and mom would sort of camp out there and read magazines. And me and my brother, we'd go out in the water and, and just, you know, kind of take turns drowning each other and, and uh, you know, riding the waves and everything. And then my dad would stand um, about ankle deep in the surf, and he'd kind of be our, our personal lifeguard. And I don't know how many times it happened, but over and over again, it would work where we were out there in the water and, and we're laughing, me and my brother, we're, you know, riding waves and, you know, just hooping and hollering and everything. And all of a sudden, we would hear this shrill whistle. We'd look up and about 40 yards back up the beach, we'd see our dad going like this. And, and, and what had happened, of course, is that the, the, the tide had sort of carried us away from our, our father. It wasn't that we tried to swim away or anything. It's just, it's just the, the, the undertow, the, the strong current just pulled us away from the presence of our father. I'm wondering this morning if there might be some of you who are watching right now, and that's your story. And that what God wants you to hear in these words from Scripture, in the words of this simple sermon, in this call to prayer, God wants you to hear the shrill whistle of your Heavenly Father inviting you to come back into His presence. It's hard to hug a moving target. Maybe you didn't even mean to get so far away. It was just the current of all the stuff that's going on, just the tides of life. Or, or maybe for some of us watching, hey, Let's be honest. Let's confess our sin. 
we really have tried to kind of get out of the range of his care and protection and oversight. But whatever it is this morning, your father has invited you. Your God knows you need him. And I want to invite you to think about, Lord, help me to begin this discipline of regular prayer. Would you just bow your head with me right now? Just, just close your eyes right there, wherever you are. Uh, and, and, and maybe in your heart, I want you to think about the dizziness and the busyness of these last few months and the merry-go-round we've all been on. And maybe you just feel like God has become a blur or your spiritual life is just kind of, it's just kind of n- n- no longer there. Uh, I want to invite you right now to say a simple prayer, Lord, Lord, I want to begin spending time with you. I want to begin to pray to you. It's still just training wheels, but I want to get rolling. I want to get moving. And thank you that as my heavenly father, you're willing to run alongside me. Would you just pray that prayer right now? Lord, thank you. Thank you that you have opened up a way for us through the blood of Christ, through your cross. You've given us amazing invitation to come into your presence, into the throne room of Almighty God. We don't deserve this, Lord, but we have been invited. I pray, Lord, that all of us today would recommit ourselves, even over these next few weeks, as we talk about how we can grow closer to you, help us to commit ourselves to embrace our loving, gracious Heavenly Father. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.